Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the culmination of one incredible summer. Over the past six weeks, we've witnessed some of the greatest athletes in the world compete at a level we are not traditionally used to seeing. And I can honestly say, it's been the most exciting summer games I've ever experienced. But that was just the beginning, because next is the event we've all been waiting for. The event we've looked forward to, anxiously anticipated, ladies and gentlemen, the hottest event of the summer, WWE SummerSlam. I am destined to become the youngest world heavyweight champion in history. Against all odds, Chris Benoit never quit. But will Orton be able to do it at SummerSlam? You screwed me over for the WWE Championship! Dodgeball added to the SummerSlam extravaganza. Booker T, John Cena, SummerSlam player. The champ is here! Till death do us part, man. Kane and Matt Hardy at SummerSlam. Lita will marry the winner. Here comes the bride. It's every man for himself in the triple threat match Sunday at SummerSlam. Eugene! Triple H! You are my friend. I'll put you out of this business myself for good. You, me, SummerSlam. How does the Undertaker do this? Get ready for a wild ride. Everybody say, holla, holla, holla. Oh, what a night it's going to be. Ruthless. It's my life, my time, my rights, my rhymes, my grind, my struggle, hustle, sweat, and my blood too. A predator smells fear, I smell a lot. My competitors flex here. They smoked, I was hot, I want it all. Excess, the sex, much success, stress us. I want it all, no less. So come on. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 59 of the RE Era podcast. The only place where we decipher and dictate the era that rose out of the ashes of attitude and delivered us the most bizarre land pay-per-view in the history of Toronto as it is time for the biggest party of the summer, SummerSlam 2004. As always, I'm Dave and joining me as ever is Big Sexy Michael Rag. Good evening, good afternoon. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you very much. How are you? I'm alright. I'm alright. I've just got back from my week's holiday in Blackpool so I'm very tired and I'm not looking forward to work tomorrow but I am. Looking forward to talking about Summerfest 2004. Um, yeah, Bizarro Land. Before we speak about anything, how mental were the fans? It were like Toronto were going to have a big. It were a big fuck you to WWE. You're not going to tell yeah, us like, who to like. We want Angle chance in Angle's match with Eddie. Eddie oh, getting oh, boos. Oh, it's mental. Eugene gets booed. Edge gets booed. Even Jake oh, were getting booed. <laughs> Well, we'll get to that a bit later, but the Mexican wave, oh my God. <laughs> that must be pissing Undertaker off so much, so much. But before we get into SummerSlam, do you, would you like to know what happened on SummerSlam Eve at WWE Velocity on the day before SummerSlam? Hardcore Holly, Michael. Hardcore Holly and Billy Gunn, they fought the Bashams 
in what is kind of common theme on Velocity at the minute of the, these two teams. And Billy Gunn during the match, he hit a Styles clash. Ooh. Right, an actual legit Styles clash. Like, you know he's watching fucking NWA slash TNA. On one of our previous episodes, you said that he was in talks with them or something. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's got to be at least paying attention to what's going on. And hitting a Styles clash, it's like a, a little nod towards NWA, isn't it? Um, Holly hits Danny with the Alabama Slam that got the win. Uh, Jamie Noble, he beat Shannon Moore with the Tiger Driver. So Jamie Noble, he's always been a Velocity mainstay. He, he always picks up big wins over shit talent on Velocity. <laughs> and um, the main event was Scotty Tuati versus Bubba Ray Dudley. Uh, Bubba wins with a spear. Da-da-da-da. Ooh-ah. ah Now, did you watch Sunday Night Pre-Show? No, I did not watch Heat. But I know that Taz was on commentary, as he mentioned this later on. It was, and it was RVD beating Rene Dupree in just over six minutes, which is, it was a weird one, because why are these two fighting? Only because for the last three months we've fought in fatal four ways and three mans for the US belt. Now Booker and John Cena are locked in a best of five. Um, you know it's just going to be them two for the next however many months feuding. So what are you going to do now with the two guys that have spent the last two months feuding with them two? Yeah, what are you going to do? You could have either not had it all, or at least had a tag team match in there. Like, over on Roth, in the build-up to SummerSlam, you've had a lot of interaction between Tadgers and Rhino and the Bellends over the tag titles. And the tag titles don't even make the pre-show, never mind not making the pay-per-view. Well, the, the champs are on the pay-per-view, but... Well, no, I'm, well, that's not... That, this, I'm on about the Raw side. Like, SmackDown champs don't even defend neither. Because they're on the pay-per-view, but in the triple threat... Uh, in the six-man, sorry. Um, so it's yeah, it's, I just find it very strange. The tag team titles are like n practically null and void in the WWE at the minute. Even confusing this with modern day because it's just the same story. Oh, absolutely. Tag team wrestling has just been dying and dying and dying as the years have gone on. I think everyone always prays for the glory days of like the late 80s, the early 90s, where you had a lot of mega mega teams drive from the Rockers to the Hart Foundation. The list goes on. Um, I think everyone kind of looks back at midnight. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think everyone pines for that era, but we just, we, it's never going to happen ever again, is it? <laughs> Vince, I, well, it, will it once, once Vince finally goes and Triple H takes over, will we start, we'll see, like, I don't know. But, or you can go the other way and have, like, ten matches on an AW card and nine of them are tag matches. That's a normal pay-per-view for them, isn't it? <laughs> speaking of tag teams and speaking of Rhino and Tajiri, Michael, on our last episode, you asked... And the Rufus Army, they delivered. Would you like to know some of the best names that have been selected for a potential name? What, you, what you're going to decide uh, for Tajiri and Rhinoceros? Is so, that one of the picks? <laughs> no, but it should have been. Um, so it's a, just a mix of Facebook and Twitter. I grab my favourites and Mike, you can decide who uh, who wins the, uh, the award for naming Tajiri and Rhino. Um, so we have three people offer the same name. Um, at Lovegun13, which is a great Twitter angle, um, at KevPeck1987, and at Bonzoe92, they all went for Buzzgo. And at GA WrestleNut, and on Facebook, Matthew, I think it's Mikhailovich, I've probably buggered that name, uh, they went with Buzzgoes. So you had five people there with the similar name, so Buzzgo, Buzzgoes. That's, that's a pretty cool name for a tag team. At AshleyBT987, he went for The Gormist. Not bad, not bad. 
at Team Frank, he went for Misty Gore, which sounds like a drag queen. Does a bit, actually. <laughs> uh, Johnny Donegan, he went for, which I believe is going to be your pick, Japs Rye. <laughs> Very close pick winner so far. <laughs> at the Man's RKO, he went for Go, Go Buzz Express. Not bad, not bad. Bit 80s. <laughs> Scottish Juggalo, he went for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Rhino. Edwin Cruz on Facebook, he said Gore Ranchilla. At Ashley Clements, The Mist and the Man Beast. And at Bad Movie Man, The Rhinos in the Mist. So they were the best of the, the bunch. Thank you for everyone. As always, I love reading them all when you all text them. It makes me chuckle. Um, so, Michael, who are we choosing? What's going to be Rhino and Tadger's name going forward? So for me, it's a toss between three. Jack's Rye, <laughs> Goldbuzz Express, and Rhino's in the Mist. And the winner is, drumroll please. Goldbuzz Express. The Goldbuzz the Express. <laughs> that is, is a very 80s, early 90s sounding name. Love it. So then, are you ready for SummerSlam 2004? It's the 15th of August. We're at the Air Canada Centre in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. With 17,640 people, which JR reminds us constantly throughout the night, in attendance. Uh, the theme song for tonight, Summertime Blues by Rush. Quite a happy song. Uh, a bit different from the, like, like the death um, metal that they use a lot recently. It sounds a lot like Jessica by the Almond Brothers. You know, the Top Gear theme. Yeah, yes. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's a very... So we're going to see uh, the guest hosts like Cl Clarkson, May and Hammond. <laughs> oh, could you imagine? <laughs> they would have fit in brilliantly in the uh, guest GM era. So where you had <laughs> idiot... bombshell. Just idiot... <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Michael, let's talk buy rates. Um, last year's SummerSlam, SummerSlam 2003, the buy rate was 465,000 buys. The buy rate for SummerSlam 2004, 320,000 buys. So that's the difference. That's a drop. <laughs> 145,000 fans have fucked off in a year from buying SummerSlam. 145,000 wanted to see Goldberg in the chamber. I think SummerSlam had that angle, didn't they, of having the big, massive gimmick match where it was, is Goldberg going to fucking run through everybody? And it had a big hook to sell yeah. I think this one... And it had Brock Angle. Absolutely. Uh, I think this one, yeah, this has got Angle again. Angle Guerrero, which is up there with the dream matches, and it does go on to be fucking one of the matches of the night, if not the match of the night. Uh, but I think main evented by Orton and Benoit. Does that have that star power, really? They've not got this... As much as I hate to say it, neither one at this point has got that star power. Benoit, possibly, but Orton, not yet. What if you're not gone the other way and have JBL and Undertaker finish the show with the finish that they had? That being said, exactly. JBL's nowhere near Orton's level. <laughs> That's it. Your main event's a mid-card, isn't it? experience. Yeah, your main, your main event's a bit of your mid-card. It's very mishmash. Very mishmash. Uh, so the show kicks off. We get highlights of all the Summer Games adverts culminating in tonight's festivities. Um, the a DVD home video extra, Michael. Uh, I got all the summer game adverts. Um, so yeah, so I watched the uh, SummerSlam 
on the uh, Silver Vision version. Michael watched it on the network. Um, times wise, so what, what, did, what hours, did you come in at? I got two hours forty one and forty six seconds. And three hours and fifteen. You got over half now, an hour extra. <laughs> now let's spoiler alert to the end. Did you get the handshake? Yes. Oh, did you? Okay, I was I was surprised that they don't got rid of that. I, be, I know there's one moment that I'll get on into a bit where I know definitely they've got rid of, but yeah. So anything that I say, oh, many moments, but I'll jump out if you don't have it on the network version. Um, also, one do. of the, the other added bonus extra on the uh, SummerSlam Silver Vision version is you got the behind the scenes on how all the Summer Games adverts were made and stuff, which I thought was a, na a nice little touch. Nice, that is a nice little touch. Yeah, I always like to see behind the scenes. Uh, learn how to parody the Olympics on you. <laughs> From a sledgehammer in an hammer contest. Um, so what did you reckon then to the staging setup for the hottest event of the summer? You've got big screens everywhere. It was a lot more showy than last year's and possibly years before as well. I think because there are a lot more lights. And I think yeah, having, the, having the two big screens, screens, yeah. Having the massive Titantron, then underneath it, having that arch that was a pure screen as well. So, and but I Summer's, did like that setup, especially with Orton's entrance as well. SummerSlam's logo in itself is quite bright with your greens and your yellows and your blues and stuff. Uh, and then when you've got all these big TV screens as well, oh yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it set up. It made SummerSlam feel exactly like, like it should be one of the major pay-per-views in WWE's calendar. As it always has been, always should be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so JR, he welcomes us to the show and Toronto is hot tonight. Uh, we passes over to the Macarena boys. They're hot as fuck. Cole and Taz come in. They're hot as fuck. Um, Smackdown's going to be... Uh, Smackdown's got a big part to play in this pay-per-view, really, because you've got JBL and Undertaker, where if, if Undertaker can successfully put JBL over, it could potentially go on to be a top main event guy. Or Undertaker go the other way and just fucking job the fuck out of him. And you've got Angle's return to pay for you against Eddie. I think Undertaker, uh, I think Raw coming into it's a bit flat with like Hunter in a feud with Eugene. Uh, I said the Benoit Orton. It's yeah, it's not the most excitable feud coming in. I think SmackDown's got to deliver to save this pay per view tonight. It's also got the IC title. Well, that's good. I think for that's me, right, personally, US title. that was one of the best matches. And see that, that US title stuff, it's going to piss me off because it's for a bit for a best of five, you should have the deciding fall should be pay per view, everything else should be SmackDown or Raw, like a tournament, like a tournament, and just having the first round of the first match on like Smack on SummerSlam. And oh, then, US title, yeah. So three. yeah, and then on Unforgiven, we'll have the second round match. It's just, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a way of dragging it out when you haven't really got much fucking going on. <laughs> Creativity's not working with it. Uh, so our opening contest, it's the Dudley boys of Spike, Bubba and Devon going up against your tag champions, Paul London and Billy Kidman with Rey Mysterio. In quite an odd pairing where you've got two champions. You've got your cruiserweight being Spike and your tag champions being London and Kendrick. Neither's defending their belts. London and Kendrick, I wish. <laughs> London and Kidman, no one's defending their belts. Michael, how did we get here? Well, I agree. They should all all belts should be on the line because you could just have Ray or Spike get the victory. That way, there's no concern on who's the cruiserweight champ if London or Kid Kidman win. But we got here because Spike was having some issues with his brothers, and then they became cruiserweight 
champion with their help. He didn't return the favour, though, because uh, the Dudleys lost their titles to Ludman Kidman. Then, a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown, Spike teamed with Ray against the Dudleys, but feigned an injury on the most perfect landing on a dropkick ever. <laughs> and then they put Ray through a table, and pretty much here they are, because Ludman Kidman are friends with Ray. So they'll come out to his music, even though they're champs and he's not. <laughs> I know, I know. And the dub is coming out to their old music. <laughs> um, we get Speaking of Dudleys, we get a home video exclusive. Uh, Spike tells the Dudleys it's happening his way tonight. And he's the only dud that's got the gold. And the duds kind of agree. They're like, yeah, that's, that's a fair comment. We should have won. We ain't got the gold. Kidman and, uh, and London have still got it. Um, but Bubba wants to use his belt. And that's a very... It's weird how that won't be on the network because if you saw that before the match, then you'd understand when he brings the belt out, the meaning behind the belt. Yeah, because we didn't get that on the network. Yeah, I just it, it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. And Michael, what the fuck has Bubba got round his head as he makes his entrance? I think he's trying to tribute New Jack. Well, he's, he used to have that sort of style back in the WC in ECW, but it was like a tie-dye sort of like bandana that he'd tie at the front. But... Yeah, I know that just come out of fucking nowhere. That is not want anything like that. Well, it's SummerSlam. Everyone brings the good gear out for SummerSlam, don't they? Gonna say it's, you have your mania gear and you have your SummerSlam gear. That's it. That's it. Uh, and as you mentioned, the tag champs they come out to raise music, which is well, you can see who are the jobbers in this team. But it is nice to see some uh, tag team entrances for a change. Oh, that's it. Tag team continuity. We've said that forever. Said that forever. It's, if you're in team together, at least I know you come out to at least come out as a team. But there's no way Rey Mysterio was ever going to come out to like London and Kidman's theme. It's fucking Rey Mysterio, uh, goddamn it! Uh, <laughs> oh, fucking awful really theme! Awful theme tune that was. Um, so the match itself then, Devon and Kidman they start. Uh, Dave on the aggressor, but Alexis gets control from Kidman. Uh, double team gets a two. Uh, London in, elbow to the jaw, and a lovely leap over uh, London onto Devon. I'll just use you as a stepping stone just to flip myself over onto my opponent. Beautiful. Great move. spot. Bubba with a cheap shot. Uh, Spike with vintage Spike, as Michael Cole calls it, as he hits the coup de grace. Uh, but then Spike, which I thought could have been the finish, but it was like far too early. Um, Spike, yeah. he works over London as the crowd yells for tables. Uh, in comes Bubba. Suplex while he screams, I'm going to beat your face in. He's like, he's proper dicking on Paul London while he's kicking fuck out of him. Calls him a little clown as well. Devon, <laughs> yeah. uh, he's in though for a rest order. He sticks a choke onto London. But then a big power slam gets a two count, which is lovely. It's like um, Devon and Ron Simmons could always hit a beautiful looking yes. like snap power. One that like Randy Orton's gone on to yeah, And Goldust as well is another one. He could hit a beautiful snap power slam. Insecurity from Paul London, nearly gets London to the tag. Uh, he finally gets the hot tag and in comes Ray Ray. A springboard leg drop gets a two. Big Urikarana gets a two. Uh, the Dud's in and they both get a beat from Ray. Seated sent on the head scissors. Uh, Kidman in and it all breaks down, ending in a BK bomb which gets a two count. Double drop kick for Bubba. Springboard sent on from London to the outside, which was a beautiful move. Paul London, it could potentially go on to be one of the best in this Cruiserweight division. He's, he's definitely up there with the Rey Mysterio for his, for his flips and his flops. He's one of the best high flyers on the roster. Definitely. Um, did you notice uh, that 
lovely fucking transition of the heart attack into the slingshot, into the 619, and then Kidman into the shooting star, which only got a two count, which should have been the yeah. finish. That should have been the finish. And also, why they call him Billy Kidman's BK bomb, the BK bomb, but it's a, clearly a fucking sky high. <laughs> well, Speaking of D'Lo Brown. <laughs> um, so, the finish. Uh, Ray, he crashed and burned. And Devon whips out Paul London. So half of your squad are outside. Uh, Bubba brings his belt in, which he mentioned in the at-home video exclusive. Uh, Kidman blocks it, but a 3D connects. Spike picks up the scraps for the win. As he runs in, puts his hands on his chest. In eight minutes and six, the Dudleys get the win. you make to our opening contest of Summerfest? It was a nice quick match to quick us off. Had that fast-paced cruiserweight action that really gets the crowd going. And you got the hard-hitting uh, technique from the Dudleys there. Great blender styles. Always needs a nice little opening match. So I'll give it 2.5 Mavens. But if all titles have been online, it'd have been a 3. See, that's how it should have been. I, I totally agree with, there with, the, the, with the Maven count. 2.5 Mavens, that's how it should have been. It should have been uh, similar to like how Diesel and um, Sean did it uh, years ago with Bulldog and, I think Bulldog and Owen, I think it was supposed to be, or Yokozuna, where all the belts were on the line. So whoever got the deciding fall, they won the belt. But obviously only Spike could qualify and Ray could qualify for the Cruiserweight. But the tag belts could be available to anybody. All like so, with a two-man power trip in the destruction. Yeah, no, right. exactly, exactly. So all the belts are on the line. So let's say... Bubba gets the win. Uh, no, Spike gets the pin onto Kidman. So then Spike then chooses which Dudley brother he wants to have the titles with. And that could have been a gone a different way for storyline, but WWE's not like creative, <laughs> So all all the all three Dudleys have the belt, so like they should have had to begin with. But yeah, overall it wasn't the worst opening contest, but we, it could have been a better one for SummerSlam for fuck's sake. Did the paternity test. She took your DNA, the baby's DNA, and it wasn't a match. The baby's not yours. It's Kane's. Shot right here, listen. 
steel briefcase right between the eyes. Up next, Holy Matt Hardy versus Kane. Holly Oaks on pay per view. Death do us part. The winner has to marry, or Lita has to marry the winner. Lita. Nobody wants to get married apart from Matt Hardy. <laughs> so everyone's I getting. Fu- I think Kane's up for it, but Kane's up for it just because he wants to hurt Hardy. I don't know, Michael. How did we get here? We get so we get a recap uh, that shows tells us that it's not Matt's baby because Lita's pregnant with Kane's kid. Because they managed to get DNA tests sorted while she's still pregnant. And King even says that Lita's looking pregnant. No, she's not. Don't be a body shaving dickhead. <laughs> she's not put any weight on at all. It's not. <laughs> they could have at least given her a cushion to put up her yeah, top or something. Just wore a long top or something like that and put one of them like. Because they, they do have cushions for women, don't they, to get used to how to work with the extra oh, weight and stuff TV. like that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll just use something like that. Oh no, Lita's not even showing. If anything, she looks better. And she's, yeah, she's like what three, four months now. She, oh, she's got to be showing. Pro- in, in, if this were real, she'd be showing proper showing right now. I actually had a thought: why Lita's involved in this bollocks and not wrestling? Is she uncleared? She's pregnant, Michael. That's the storyline, obviously. <laughs> I just not I, well. I don't know. We've not seen her wrestle for a while, but. I think it's exactly. just... Is she not wrestling for... Star- Did we not see the last time she wrestled when Kane appeared on the big screen? Uh, which has got to have been maybe you... two blocks of Raw and Smackdown to go for sure, yeah. Yeah, maybe. It's just for storyline purposes, it's easy to not have her in the ring at the minute and have Kane chase around and stuff like that. Or have her on the outside screaming, Come on, mate! When uh, Kane well, kicks I mean, fuck out of him. storyline's been progress, is she still uncleared? Probably. Because she's, you know, she's not the safest to herself. <laughs> um, so the match itself, uh, Matt Hardy is, is fucking all, all blaze of glory, attacking Kane straight away. Um, it hits like a side effect with the aid of the bottom rope, which I thought was a great piece, yeah. of, piece of skill uh, to and be aware of two, where you are. She also gets a two champ. Yes, and Toronto finally wake up a little bit, and you notice uh, on the hard cam, he always sits to our left, a little bit from centre, just off centre. Um, and the guy always brings the two. And then there was one over behind the commentators. He had a two as well. This, this could have worked as our opening contest. A really hot blood feud to kick off the pay-per-view. What, and have the six-band court crowd? Yeah, just have that afterwards. Just completely flip these two. Because you've got to have that six-band yeah, somewhere. Yeah, it would be yeah, dodgeball, dude. We got a big tornado DDT, but then a big right hand from Kane knocks Matt down. And a JR pipes in with one punch could do it. So, are you telling me out of all the moves that he hits and only gets a two, all Kane has to do is hit one of them open palm strikes and that's it. Matt, Matt or is that weak? That'll that just kill him off straight away. Just a little... Uppercut. Just one of them. That's all it takes. That's all it takes to beat Matt fucking Hardy. That's all it takes. Glass Joe Hardy. <laughs> uh, Kane, he chokes Hardy and then clotheslines him in the corner. Uh, JR says, it's frightening the thought to marry Kane. And it's like, well, I imagine if it is for you, JR, because he set fire to you. But for some girl yeah. out there, the thought of marrying King could be quite a fucking exciting and appealing entity. But I'm sure Mrs. Jacobs is a very happy woman. <laughs> Mrs. Jacobs is very offended fucking listening to JR going, ah, fucking, King is a master. I'm imagining him, oh, it brings you nightmares. She's like, no, I quite enjoy it. 
Uh, Kane, he chokes Hardy in the corner, and then he, then he stops to give Lita a little smile, and Lita shits herself again. Uh, Kane runs at Hardy, but a low bridge and a big crossbody. Uh, twist of fate on the outside, but then Kane sits up at a seven count and back in at nine after Matt Hardy tried to get the dirty cheap count out win. Hey, that's using your attitude, that is. <laughs> Uh, Lita though she uses Mattitude and brings in the ring bell it distracts the ref and a big shot with the ring bell it sounded very solid it's like usually mm. when they hit with the ring bell you get the ding sound this was just yeah, a thud yeah even turn around it was just a thud because yeah, you didn't hear much so this is fair play that'll come into right we'll speak about this a little bit later refs get getting distracted tonight a lot of them all the times mm. right? yes <laughs> a lot of referee distractions uh, so, big shot with the ring bell, but Hardy, he jumps up into a choke slam, but Matt Hardy fights off. Uh, twist of fate attempt, but a big boot stops Hardy. Uh, Kane goes up top. Uh, Hardy knocks him into a turnbuckle. He goes up top himself, tries to get a superplex, but Kane, it's a super choke slam and gets uh, the victory uh, in just over six, six, about six minutes and eight seconds. Um, Good finish. And then Kane wants a hug off Lita, but then she fucks off and runs for her life. And Jerry's going, come to Papa. Jerry's fucking loving life. Immediately, if not sooner. Now he's trying to hook Kane up for another DDT, I think. Oh my God. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. Love of God, what a choke slam. What a choke slam. Will it be it? The count. Oh my God, Kane has beat that hardy. Look at oh Lita. my God! Here is your winner, Kane. Jr. It's gonna, it's gonna happen. Look at Lita's face. Oh my God, I, I think reality is. Oh no, she, she can't believe it. I'm sure. But it's gonna happen. And the, Lita is gonna have to marry Kane. Look, Look at Kane. That, Look at that sick monster, Kane. Smiling, knowing that he's gonna marry Lita, and there's nothing she can do about it. Oh, this is gonna be great. When do you think the wedding's gonna be, Jr.? I don't know about the wedding. What color dress do you think she'll wear? I don't know. She can't, I don't know. She can't wear white. Oh, poor Lita. Maybe, maybe. Uh, brilliant finish with the super choke slam. I think the match deserved to go on a lot, a bit longer than six fucking minutes. Yeah. Um, but they put a lot of action in that six minutes. Uh, I give it two out of five, Mavens. I'll be nice, I'll give it a two and a half, but um, I should know I will give it a two, because Alita's acting after the match. So she didn't want to marry Kane, now she's got to marry Kane, but the look on her face says to me that she's just forgot to buy milk when she went to the shop earlier. <laughs> Not that she's going to marry Kane. But surely there's a law behind this. In WWE land or not WWE land, you can't have to, just because of WWE stipulation. There you go. Uh, is anyone here that the present that says why those two should not be married? And Lita's like, yeah, yeah, he only would be right in the match. <laughs> it's all so, because of a wrestling match vicar. Because of WWE law and WWE law itself, we are going to get a wedding. It seems of Lita and the one, the only, Glenn Jacobs, Mayor Kane. A wedding on a wrestling show. It can only turn out fabulous. We go backstage with Randy Orton. Did you get this on the network? We did. And Marvellous. Todd Christian was just more bothered about Lita. More bothered about Lita. Uh, then all of a sudden, as Orton begins to speak, John Cena pops in. Um, he then does a poll on if the Toronto fans like Orton and they, they boo. And then he asks them if they think Orton's going to win and they boo. And he's like, well, at least you've got the fans behind you. And then he fucks off. 
Uh, and then Orton says tonight he's going to walk out the youngest world champion. I thought it was a nice way of showing, oh, look at the future of the WWE with these two fuckers. We're going to see a lot of these yeah. going forward. This is their first encounter. I'm yeah, this is their Goldberg and Lesnar moment. Yeah. They just don't have to Last year at Survivor Series, and then it's like, here, here you are. Here's a, what it. you really want. Right, that is it. This is, that is the future. John Cena and Randy Orton, the future of the WWE. And speaking of John Cena, up next, it's the first of the best of five matches to decide the US champion between your current champion, Booker T, and John Cena. Um, it was the nice to hear... champion, as Finkel said. Well, that is it. And it is nice to hear Booker T's actual theme tune. I don't know what the network pumped out for SummerSlam. Was it the original? Or was it the... Oh yes, yes. Oh, I got we got actual legit old school Booker T theme music on the television version, which was a refreshing change. Uh, Booker T though, he comes out in Ric Flair's red. Uh, does that mean that he's losing tonight? Then yeah. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> um, I was a bit upset that we got no pre-match promo from Cena. Uh, I thought it was very mm. disappointing. Uh, but like, like well, we mentioned on the last episode though how they are moving a little bit more away of his pro pre-match promos and it's getting a bit more serious and more about the wrestling these days. But it's always best for a character like that to interact with the crowd. Oh, no, definitely, especially when he's still a mega, mega over babyface. Uh, especially at the biggest party of the summer. It is, the, it is summer oh, the summer games. It's not part of party yet, is it? It's the, it's the summer games, the biggest party of the, of the Olympics. Uh, WWE, an Olympic gold medalist winning Summerfest. Uh, so the match then, they trade shots to start. Uh, Cena clothesline gets a two. And then they stop and like talk shit to each other. Uh, I quite like it. It was a very slow, methodical start. Like, Booker T's pace in the entire match was very slow. Like, it was like, that's Booker the heel. Booker the face is quite, it's quick, it's fire, it's kicks and punches and axe kicks and all sorts. I thought this, we still heel got... Heel Booker wants yeah, we, to take his it, time beating. Yeah, heel Booker, we still get the same moves. And it's the same sort of uh, experience of Booker T. But it's just a slower version. It's methodical, like I said, he takes his time a little bit. Um, Cena hits a clothesline, and then it's the throwback, and that gets a two. Uh, Booker drops Cena over the top rope, and then a big clothesline drops Cena outside. Booker on the apron, with a double axe handle onto Cena. Uh, back in, Booker kicks Cena, and then knees him in the chest. Um, right hands from Booker, and Cole notes that Booker ain't gone, ain't gone for a pin yet. And then it stopped me to think, I thought, yeah, actually, I've not noticed yeah, he for a pin well. in the spin. Five minutes, but then, if you think about it, why go for a pin at what's point? Wasting your energy. Keep going for these two counts when you know it's going to be a two count. When I need to build up for my finish. Beat him up as much as possible. And then go for a pin. But, but get, a, get a three count on the one, one, one punch, are you? No, or off a powerbomb. Unless you're Diesel. Or Batista. Or Canadian Destroyer, anyone nowadays. Well, there is. <laughs> or 15 super kicks. <laughs> we got a jumping leg lariat from Booker as Taz gets confused with his move names. It's like it's a back heel kick. It's a, it's a jumping back. Oh, it's a it's a leg lariat. Sorry, Michael. I, I know every fucking moving fucking world, and sometimes it gets confusing. <laughs> Spinebuster side slam into a very slow pace from Booker T. Small package though from Cena looks to get the victory, but it's a very very tight two count. Uh, Booker mm -hmm. though he knocks him straight back down and he, then he stands and talks more shit to the crowd he's like nope I'm going to take my time and I, I don't need to beat him up I'm just going to talk bollocks to the crowd for five minutes it's not like he's going to lose his title this match is it so he can take he can do whatever he wants that is it Booker has got the advantage until he gets serious if he goes two down then we need to turn it on a bit but in the first one I ain't losing 
I'm on pay-per-view. Uh, though, it mixes his axe kick. Uh, rights from Cena, big clothesline from Cena, but the Cena gets caught in a flapjack and Booker hits the spinner Rooney, but then he walks straight into the FU. And ain't it great, Michael, that only one FU gets the victory on a pay-per-view as John Cena goes one up in six minutes and 25 seconds. Yet another very short match. And look at Booker T, whipped across the ring. John Cena with a high elbow. John Cena is on a roll, he's cooking, oh, oh, oh. face first. I guess I spoke too soon. The veteran Booker T, taking oh, advantage, and there you go. Yeah, a little spin a Rooney action there. I like the confidence of Booker T now, building up big. That was your man, uh oh, oh, oh look oh, at this, no. Booker T, and a few, a connecting, and a few, one, for the line. two, John and one, match to none. Doing big business right there. Getting a win in his first of best of five series. That was impressive, man. John Cena now two wins away from the United States Championship. And Booker T seemed hell-bent on beating John Cena down, sending John Cena a message, and Cena took advantage at the end of that match. It was good that it was only one finisher that got the win. That's all it that needs. Is great. That's all it should always need. But it just came out of nowhere. But that's that's proof. It proves it just comes out of nowhere. You can just walk straight into an fu. Never saw it coming. <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> but overall, I thought, yeah, it kind of did its job. Cena goes one up in the series. They all got their spots in. I think this new heel, methodical, slow style of Booker T. I don't know. It can get a bit boring, I suppose. I give it two out of five mavens. I give two and a half. If it had been a little bit longer, maybe. Uh, you could have had the uh, finish with Cena kicking out of an axe kick or counter the axe kick into an FU. Yeah, just have it more of a transition than having a spinner rooney and then just walking into an FU. Yeah. Yeah. Best of five series. Now, I tell you, I really put something together right there, player. All right. I'm excited about it. <laughs> well, well, well. The head cracker in Georgia Raw. What can I do for you, player? Well, Theodore R. Long. That's me. I just thought I'd stop by and congratulate you. Your new position as general manager of SmackDown. Very, very proud of you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Very proud of you. You know, it seems like every time we have one of these raw SmackDown joint pay-per-views, I'm dealing with another general manager from SmackDown. I mean, what are you now, number four? So it's been Stephanie McMahon, Paul Heyman, Kurt Angle, <laughs> and now you. But listen to me, I really, I just came by to, to congratulate you, maybe give you a little advice. I think that you should really learn as much as you can while you're on the job. Enjoy it as much as you possibly can. Because at the rate we're going, by the time there's another joint Raw Smackdown pay-per-view, Survivor Series, Let's just say I doubt you'll be around. <laughs> Don't take it personally. Nothing personal. It's just reality. <laughs> well, you know something, Eric? I can appreciate that. Just like you can appreciate this. Now, tonight, I don't know whether your nephew Eugene will beat Triple H or not. And, you know, I don't even know whether you'll ever succeed in getting rid of him. 
But I do know this player, if you should ever do, then I got no problem signing Eugene to SmackDown and making him the biggest superstar ever. Now, that not only goes for Eugene, that goes for any superstar on Raw that are sick of you and they want out. Now, that's nothing personal. That's just reality, player. You feel me? <laughs> now, you better holler, holler, holler. We go backstage with Teddy Long and in walks Uncle Eric. Uh, Eric, he congratulates Teddy, but then he goes through all the general managers and he's like, bloody hell, you're the fourth one now, and there's probably every chance by the time we get to Survivor Series, you probably won't even fucking be here. So enjoy it and embrace it and live the moment. Well, it's, it's more cursed than the Defence Against the Dark Arts position at Hogwarts. <laughs> it's, it's the curse of the SmackDown GM. Uh, and Teddy says... Eric, if he gets rid of Eugene uh, tonight, it will make him a superstar over on SmackDown. And he says, actually, if any Raw star who's had enough of your bollocks fancies jumping ship, I will make them stars as well. And Bischoff looks a bit Eugene concerned. Eugene SmackDown. Oh, well, I, just split them up. Just bring Eugene, uh, bring Regal, fuck Eugene. Bring Regal over and let's have Regal and Kurt, Regal and Eddie. Yes. Brilliant. That would be absolutely brilliant. Regal, and then Cena. we see uh, Cena and Regal, definitely. There's this potential a lot. Well, let's bring Eugene over as well, and I don't know, fucking let him Undertaker batter him in a fucking match. No. <laughs> have him beat JBL. Yeah, JBL. Have, oh, fuck off, have Eugene beat JBL for title. <laughs> yeah. We see a shot of the arena for tonight's Diva Dodgeball. Uh, Jerry, though, he has an idea. Maybe I could marry the winner. And JR says, You've been married enough. <laughs> Jerry's like, there's potential for six to be <laughs> can have a wife every day and just have a break on a Sunday. Or he can have a wife every day and just have a break on a Monday because he needs to do Raw. Uh, up next, I see title time. Batista, Jericho and Edge. Uh, Michael, a home video exclusive. Uh, we get a Jericho interview, short and sweet. It was like five seconds long. Uh, Jericho, he said, they spoke about his actions last week on walking out on edge. He said, tonight, he did all the cliches about it's every man for themselves. And he says he's going to walk out, winning the title, and then he calls Lillian Jr. Um, it was literally, not even, I'd say five seconds is a bit dramatic. I'd probably say at least 15 seconds, and that was it. It was done. So Keeping it short. It's all added together where these uh, extra bits are coming from. Oh, yes, definitely. Uh, did you like how Big Dave made his entrance looking piss wet through? Like Hunter had been spitting on him in the bag to get him ready. Well, the crowd was very flat tonight on various moments, apart from booing the fuck out of Edge when he makes his entrance. Yeah. They were very, very behind Y2J. the greatest of all time. Yeah, they're very behind Y2J, but Edge being one of their own as well, got absolutely booed out of the building. Now, I understand that Edge's character has been showing heel dynamics and stuff over the last few weeks, but isn't he still supposed to be a face? He's the Toronto homeboy. And they absolutely booed the fuck out of him. I thought it was fucking brilliant. Uh, I quite like when Edge made his entrance, though. The fans popped when they said, from Toronto. But then they, made, they said his name, they went back to booing him. <laughs> I was like, fucking brilliant. Like, and then Toronto, Canada. Yeah, that's where we are. Edge, and the commentators no, no, no. even have to pick up... The commentators still pick up on it during the match. Uh, I think after a while, Vince is probably in the headset saying, you've got to mention something because this is mental. And they're like, oh, it's Bizarro World, it's Bizarro World. It's like, no, nah, it's Toronto trying to fuck with WWE. And I'm loving every minute of it. Uh, did you like how Jericho had very sparkly pants? Yeah, look, usually when he's wearing the sparkly, sparkly pants, 
he usually wins. So this is kind of like these were, the red herring. These were overly sparkly. These were sparkle sparkles. Like when he was making his entrance, the motherfuckers lit up like a Christmas tree. So did his car later but, on. Oh, yeah, definitely. But like I said, it is SummerSlam. Uh, you've got to put the effort in. It's SummerSlam season. It's the biggest party of the summer. It's the summer game, summer fest. And Edge's even got his SummerSlam coat on. So before the ring even the bell even goes, uh, Batista he smashes Edge, who falls out of the ring, still with his jacket and his and his sunglasses and his belt on, and then doesn't recover for about ten minutes. Uh, Batista and Jericho they slug yeah, it out. Awesome. Power slam from Big Dave. He goes for a power bomb early, but then Edge finally comes into the rescue. And you're talking like a good four minutes of the opening match where Edge was just selling a four fucking, five minutes easy, just selling an early attack. And this is your champion, defending champion. Yeah, no wonder they're booing the fuck out of him. Uh, but it, I think that was kind of the format of the match where a bit later Batista gets battered outside like when he goes onto the steps and Jericho is the drop kick uh, and that then leaves Batista outside for five minutes so Edge and Jericho can have their bit I think there was a lot of singles match interaction within this triple threat it's something we see a lot in this era with triple threats yeah it's oh, leave them well, we had it with the four way didn't we uh, over on Smackdown with RVD and Cena and Booker and Renee where you had Kind of yep. two men outside selling their stuff, so two men could go on a singles match inside the ring. So just uh, have them fight on the outside. Yeah, have them do something. Yeah, have them do something. Definitely. Um, we get a snake eyes from Big Dave to Edge. Uh, it goes for a big clothesline, but Jericho grabs his leg. Edge then hits a drop kick that Batista sells terribly, and he can't get out of the fucking over the middle rope. So Jericho has to help him. Yeah, he just Edge has yeah, he just could not could not get himself over the ropes. Um, Edge then put, he poses to the crowd to massive boos. Uh, and then they're outside, as I mentioned, uh, drop toward onto the steps. Jericho to a drop kick, and that leaves Batista done for like five minutes. Massive Y2J chant from the crowd. Edge, though, he goes to work on Y2J. And I noticed like how big, I know he's like six foot six or something in his head, but he looks so bigger next compared to Jericho. Yes. Like he, he dominates him. Like he, he looks over him. Jericho's not the biggest you of the guys. You don't realise when he's against first guys. Yeah, if, if you put him up against a bigger guy, it doesn't, you don't realise. But when he's up against Jericho, who is a big guy, Edge is a fucking monster of a fella. Um, we get a crossbody from Jericho, but Edge rolls through and uses the ropes for a two. Um, I thought that could have been the finish uh, because obviously it's it been was. the recurring thing of in both of them using the ropes to get the wins. Um, Jericho gets the walls and Batista still ain't fucking nowhere to be seen. Um, Edge though, he gets close, but Jericho pulls him back into the ring. And I thought, if this is going to be the finish, but no, Big Dave in for the save. Throws Jericho into the post, so that fucks Jericho up for a bit. Edge hits the Impaler for a two. Uh, sets up a spear to a fuck ton of booze. Jericho though, with the save to a fuck ton of cheers. Why stop Edge hitting the spear on Batista? Why not just Wait get till Edge he's hit. after he's hit the spear? That's it. He should have waited till he's hit it and then fucking nailed him. Um, Edge, he gets a two on Batista and then Batista fucking eliminates himself over the top rope in a rumble as he runs at Jericho and Jericho just rolls over. Um, Jericho with a roll up on Edge gets a two. Uh, the commentators, they carry on mentioning the fans booing. They're like, right, we can't explain what's going on, but we don't know why they're booing Edge. We can't explain it. It's fucking weird. It's bizarre our world. Uh, Jericho with his bulldog onto Edge. Springboard catches Batista and Edge with a spear out of nowhere to retain his title in 8 minutes 26. Um, you even catch a guy on the hard count, he's got he's giving the double fingers out at Edge. The fans aren't happy. You get a little bit of a cheer from a small mm. pocket of fans that are there for Edge. 
but 80% of the audience, they are fucking dead that Edge is retained and not Jericho. And not Jericho yeah, I could have sworn Jericho won this. I could have sworn blind that Jericho won, won this one. I don't remember Edge winning this. Or a two count. That was the strength of Batista's neck. He actually oh, saw that. Oh. oh. And Edge, excuse me, uh, Batista's hell bent on delivering that. Watch oh, it. Watch it. And look out. There's a cover. He's got all oh, Jericho out along too. A real two and a half count. I'm amazed at these fans here in Toronto. Well, they seem to be uh, more poor than uh, Jericho than the hometown uh, representative. I think these fans are even more for Batista than they are here. You may be right. You, you have to remember, we are in Bizarro Land. We are shot by Jericho catching Edge walking in. Jericho trying to go with that modified bulldog. Couldn't get it. Oh, but he got the second bow round. The second time around, and now can Jericho capitalize? And Jericho still a little addled. Well, that, uh, I think that modified bulldog took more out of, out of the Edge than Jericho thought. And the springboard. Great peripheral vision by Chris Jericho. Batista did not see that coming. Oh, the storm of spear! My God, right in the sternum! A big time spear! That's it! And Edge wins it! I can't believe it! Your winner, and still the Intercontinental Champion, Edge! I'm telling you, we are in Bizarro Land. Is this, is this Canada or is this March? Look, now these fans are, are cheering for Edge now that he won. SummerSlam has always been a great event for Edge. He was in the first ever TLC match at SummerSlam. He won an Intercontinental title in 2001 at SummerSlam. And here Edge has come home to, well, mixed reviews or mixed reaction, maybe you could say, here in his hometown to successfully retain the Intercontinental title against two of the very best on Raw. Yeah, look at that look on that young man's face. He wasn't here tonight to win any popularity. Uh, the finish I thought was brilliant. The springboard drop kick to Batista and then edged with that spear out of nowhere. It was a brilliant finish, but I just don't remember that happening in the past. <laughs> History's lying to me! <laughs> Even though it's clearly not. It's just my memory that's it's the Mandela effect, I'm guessing. Yeah, that's it. You've just decided to remember something else. Uh, now, <laughs> See, according... I remember everything. I used to forget I remember things. <laughs> but yeah, I give it a two and a half. It would have been a three if we'd have had a new champ. I'd say a, a solid two again. It's been a very two opening contest. But yeah, I think a new champion would have worked, but we're still pushing Edge, aren't we? Edge is replacing Randy Orton. Now he's the top mid-carder on Raw. So the, the momentum's still with Edge going forward. Uh, now, according to PW Insider, Edge, oh, as we said, he wrestled in his hometown as a face, was booed heavily, and apparently many, all backstage, they can't understand why the fans even decided to choose Batista over Edge, and according to backstage reports, Vince McMahon is very concerned going forward, pushing Edge as a face if this is going to kick, carry on getting reactions, but many are telling him that it's purely Toronto and not to worry about it long term. Well, it is bizarro land after all. <laughs> it is bizarro land. Up next, now this is something I can guarantee we you did not have on the network. We had an advert for Hard Knocks, the Chris Benoit story, uh, which is their upcoming DVD, which... To be fair, does sound pretty neat because it's loaded with matches from New Japan, WCW, ECW, and his first year in the WWE. Ooh, that does sound like a good DVD. That does, but I can, year, I can definitely imagine that wasn't on the network. <laughs> I, there's no way. <laughs> <in the network. laughs> 
that has been deleted yes, along with lots of footage. As soon as Edge went, he just cut to Kramer for the next match. Really? He just got the boom. He's had, we've, we've noticed that before, haven't we, on a couple of network shows where we said, uh, I'm sure it was the last pay-per-view, where we were saying that it, yeah, these, these hard cuts between matches, they've got to be advertising Benoit stuff. And there you go. <laughs> that explains it. So up next, match of the night. Eddie Guerrero versus returning to pay-per-view after a hell of a lot of time out, Kurt Angle. Back at SummerSlam inside the Air Canada Center. It has been a wild night thus far, and we're really just getting started here. Oh, we are just getting started. The Canadian fans in Toronto off the hook. We're, we're having a ball here. I mean, the matches have been great. And guess what's coming up next? What? The one I've been waiting for all night long, Eddie Guerrero and Kurt Angle. I mean, Eddie Guerrero defeated Kurt Angle at WrestleMania 20. I don't think Angle's ever even let that go. I don't think Angle's going to deal with that loss. Well, you made a great point. Kurt Angle hasn't dealt with the loss. This has been going on for five months, ever since WrestleMania. This match has taken five months in the making. Kurt Angle versus Eddie Guerrero. This will be the first time that these two men have met since their big match at WrestleMania 20. You faked an injury, Eddie. Whoa, 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 and Eddie, come on. Eddie's untying his boot. What the hell is he doing? He might have a broken ankle. Oh, he's Eddie's trapped. trapped. He's trapped for sure. Will the champion tap out? Just tap out, Eddie. To the ankle lock. The boot went flying. Small package. No. Eddie wins. Eddie wins. Eddie wins. But Eddie wins. The chin cheated. Eddie Guerrero outsmarted Kurt Angle. You cheated and you stole your way to victory. You have to cheat to beat me. I had a legitimate injury that kept me from doing what I love to do most. Wrestling. Kurt Angle suffered a broken leg, a grade three concussion, and severe internal injuries. Do you have any idea what that feels like? To love something so much, it's taken away from you right before your very eyes. Do you have you any idea? You mean like when you screwed me over for the WWE Championship? This is all about the WWE title. What was that? Who was that? El Gran Luchador. Wait a minute. He just grabbed Eddie Guerrero. JBL's climbing down the cage. JBL has retained the championship. Eddie Guerrero's going to give this El Gran Luchador what he deserves right here. No doubt about it. Eddie's got the mask. He's got the mask in his hand, but Oh, my God. What the hell? That's the general manager, Kurt Angle. You've been hiding behind a fake injury, essay, making my life a living hell, and why? You don't know if you can beat me. You have to cheat to beat me. Make no mistake about it, Holmes. I'll do whatever it takes to win. I lie, I steal, and I cheat. Orale. Men are rewarded by morality. I'm an extraordinary human being capable of doing extraordinary things. Maybe I can't beat you without cheating, Michael, how did we get here? Kurt Angle returned from injury at the Royal Rumble. Eddie befriended Eddie Guerrero because he was having some beef with his nephew. Then Eddie squashed his beef with his nephew, won the world title, and then got into a feud with Kurt Angle, at Wrestle, which led to WrestleMania, to a great match. But then, unfortunately, when Kurt Angle was made GM of SmackDown, he got injured. So he couldn't wrestle. And then unfortunately, Eddie Guerrero lost the title to JBL. He had a bullshit stipulation. 
Then a few weeks after that that match on SmackDown, Kurt Angle, dressed as El Gran Luchador, cost Eddie Guerrero the WWE title, leading to their match here tonight at SummerSlam. It's been absolutely fabulous. We spoke about it in the last episode. It's had the comedy stuff that I craved. It's had the serious stuff. Um, it's had the, we've got so many different angles they've gone at throughout the whole storyline, and it's culminating tonight. Eddie Guerrero versus Corky Angle. It's going to be brilliant. You knew what this before. Well, once they announced the match, you knew that this was going to steal the show and be a highlight. And I thought I was concerned about Angle's ring rust. I know we had the, the match against Charlie Haas. But you go in with yeah. a different calibre athlete, uh, and oh my god, he, he absolutely did not fail. Uh, it was brilliant. Um, so Kurt Angle, he comes out first with the big dog making his SummerSlam debut. Uh, and then we answer the question that we spoke about a long time ago, about where they get the lowriders from. Um, it, the Eddie Guerrero's lowrider, big logo on it with the company they got it from. Lowridecustoms.com Nice. But why is it so sparkly? Is it a, is it a shitty vampire car? Also, did you notice that when Kurt Angle was warming up when Eddie's music was playing, it looked like he was dancing to music? I didn't notice that, no. I saw yeah. him warming up in the Go ring. Go back and watch it. Notice. When he's warming up in the corner, when Eddie's, uh, Eddie's music's playing, it zooms in on Kurt warming up, but he's like, he's doing the Brock Lesnar stack jump on the spot thing, but it looks like he's dancing to like, you know, yeah. he, it's quite, it's neat. I just love to focus on uh, the faces when you stare at each other as Eddie's walking down. Oh, it's a blood feud. Just the intensity. A, this, this is, especially with Angle still be pissed off that you sold all my shit to charity. Oh, it's a big blood feud coming into this. Um, the fans, we get a massive let's go Kurt Angle chant and it's like Toronto's proper fucking weird. It's like, fuck you Vince tonight. You'd expect Eddie, every Toronto to be mega Eddie support. But no, it's uh, Angle's getting the love from the Canadian fans, which is really weird where his character's a pro-American. Yeah. I think it happens as well in the JBL match later. Yeah, definitely. It's It's been fucked up and messed up all night. It's been fascinating to watch. Um, and I'm surprised that the network kept it all in and didn't fuck about with it. Um, and George just kept in all the, all the booze for all the guys that they shouldn't really been booing. And I'm, I'm glad they didn't manipulate it because you got to see the true experience of Bizarro landing its fucking finest. Yes. So the match then. Um, we start with very mat-based chain wrestling. Um, Eddie uses speed. Uh, Kurt Angle uses his, his amateur background. It was exactly what you'd expect from the start. Uh, Eddie, though, he grabs Kurt in the yes. ankle lock, uh, which Kurt crawls desperately for the ropes, forcing Angle to cheat with a big, dirty thumb to the eye. Uh, it was a fucking brilliant spot. He in front of the ref, in his eye. Kurt, then it's the angle slam and it's the straps are down. And I thought, this is a bit fucking early for Kurt to be wanging straps down and getting all serious. Well, he's brought business early on. He's ready yeah, to... definitely. You don't, he's not paid by the hour. No, not in the slightest. Um, he locks on his own ankle lock onto Guerrero, and then Eddie uses a brilliant counter, reaching back to put an ankle lock of his own, and we've got stereo ankle locks. Beautiful spot. Beautiful counter. Well, it's a f fantastic spot. It's very original. You know, I can't remember seeing something like that before. Angle then gets the advantage, but Eddie makes the ropes. Uh, the big dog, then he delivers a cheap shot. And back into the ankle lock, and Eddie again makes the ropes. I thought it was a very weird match where they were every, there was a lot of focus on Kurt Angle's finish. Yeah. You've got Eddie going for Kurt Angle's finish all the time, Angle going for his finish all the time. It was, I, I was expecting a few more flashier moves. Eddie, he gets his ankle driven into the post, uh, but then he fights back with some chops. Angle, though, cuts him off, and it's back to the ankle. Um, Angle, he wraps Guerrero in an STF, 
And during the submission, Kurt looks like he's unlacing the boot of Eddie. So obviously this is a throwback to the WrestleMania match. He, he isn't making the same mistake again. Absolutely. If, if, if you're going to do that, I'm going to make it so it's to my advantage and not yours. Uh, Eddie, though, he counters with a jawbreaker and an angle slam of all fucking moves. Like, stealing finishes tonight. Um, we get a snap su trio of snap suplexes. They give Eddie the chance to climb up to the top. But his injured ankle is struggling. Uh, and then Kurt pops up and delivers a beautiful belly-to-belly -belly from the top rope. Just like a machine. Absolutely. I always remember the first time he ever pulled that off. The, the quickness on how he gets up to that top rope is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, Eddie goes for the frog splash. That misses... Angle slam, that connects and only gets a two count. Uh, Kurt then finally pulls the boot off Eddie and locks in the ankle lock. Eddie, he pulled the perfect counter, grabbing the ref and yanking him into Kurt Angle behind him. I thought it was brilliant. Like, he sees the moment and he, he knocks Angle out and Luther out with his boot. Like, if you're going to get hit with a shoe, if it's not got a heel on it though, is it going to hurt that much? So how is a boot an illegal move? Or illegal object? Because you get a kick. Because you get a kick to the face, because you're using it as a weapon and not as a piece of clothing. Put your hand in it. <laughs> Use it as a glove. And they should just be gloves with it, that's all it is. Um, you know, I thought it was a great spot from Eddie and great selling from Hedner. Uh, because once Eddie knocked out Angle with the boot, Eddie threw himself to the floor as well. And Brian Hebner come round looking all confused. And then Eddie just jumped up smiling and he looked even more confused. I thought it was a fantastic spot. I love that they added that little bit of comedy into a very serious blood feud match. I thought it was brilliant. Um, Eddie complains after a frog splash was hit and only gets a two. But the complaining doesn't help him as Kurt locks in the ankle lock on the non-protected ankle as Michael Cole screams. As finally Eddie Guerrero gives up and taps out in 13 minutes and 38 seconds. Eddie Guerrero is going to do what he's got to do to try and get this victory over Kurt Angle. Eddie Guerrero positioning Kurt Angle. Eddie Guerrero to the top rope. He's tried this before. He connects with the frog splash. And he's going to do it. Two. Under the leg. Yeah. Kurt Angle kicked out. Jiminy Crickets, what a match. Kurt Angle kicked out of the frog splash. How the hell? Eddie's going to pull his hair out of his own head. How did Kurt... Well, it's I, the instincts of Angle. How did the instinct he just kicked out? Wow! Eddie Guerrero back to his feet. Eddie Guerrero. Oh, look at this! The angle. Angle. He's got Eddie. The exposed ankle. Oh, man, the angle lock is locked in. Angle's Eddie Guerrero got... trying to battle out of it, but Angle hangs out of the ankle. Turn Turn angle on. relentlessly hanging onto that ankle. The tenacity of Angle, and now turn that ankle ankle lock. I thought he was gonna wrap those legs around it. And the ankle lock is cinched in. The, the ankle is, is exposed. Eddie trying to make it to the bottom rope. Kurt Angle has got the ankle lock. Dragging Eddie back to the center of the ring. He's got it great for an exit call. I'm telling you, he's got that thing bought up. The leg bar and the ankle lock. It's oh. over. Eddie Guerrero with no choice but to tap out. Wow. Here's your winner. Kurt What a match. What a victory for Angle. What an outing for Eddie Guerrero. Phenomenal contest. We asked the question why Kurt Angle was uh, was unlacing the boot of Eddie Guerrero. I believe we got our answer. It exposed the ankle to make it more vulnerable to the ankle lock. That, I mean, that, that could have been. Remember WrestleMania, what happened? But it was Eddie Guerrero who undid his own boot, and that was Kurt Angle's undoing. Tonight, Eddie's boot was uh, Eddie's undoing. Oh yeah, how ironic.
Dominic after what happened at WrestleMania. And now Kurt Angle getting that right there. Eddie Guerrero disappointed. In my opinion, Eddie Guerrero's got nothing to be disappointed about the way I see it. That was I give a four. Obviously, match of the night. Great technical wrestling match. I was expecting a bit more of a faster start with the instead of a lockup at start, but the finish was amazing. Angle like doing a brilliant impression of a bear trap, grabbing the, the ankle, just singed it in tight. Nice, absolutely, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, I think a lot uh, sometimes with an ankle lock, uh, it's not always about the guy that's putting it on. Apart from if you Jack Swagger, because it never looks like he's putting full effort into like a Ken Shamrock or a Kurt Angle ankle lock. But the guy that's selling it has got to make that move look amazing because it is only just a simple hold of an ankle. Um, and I think an Eddie sort it beautifully. And um, maybe this is the end of these two now. Maybe they go on. Who knows? But for me, yeah, match and night. Fantastic wrestling. Not better on the show at all. Up next. It is the game versus the special one. It is Eugene versus Triple fucking H. In the career of Eugene tonight. Well, since the beginning, the game has played Eugene just like a fiddle. Eugene, who's your boy standing in the middle of the ring? The Rock. And who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Triple H. tell you something i am your friend so because of that i want to make you an honorary member of evolution you gonna bring eugene into evolution my god it'll kill our gimmick brother eugene's gonna help us win back the world heavyweight championship that plan starts tonight and when that's done eugene will have outlived his usefulness Tug of war here with that steel chair. Oh, God! Eugene oh. chair out of Benoit's hands. What? And right in the face of the game. Does Eugene have any idea what he's done? Eugene has cost Triple H the World Heavyweight Championship. Triple H, I, I, I messed up last night. I made a mistake. I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, I'm not mad at you. Trust me. Straight right hand on Eugene. How is this right? Four men against one of Eugene can defend himself. Eugene has been battered, fried, and brutalized by evolution. Left in a bloody heap. And damn it to hell, it's not right. Eugene, I was never your friend. You know why? Because you're an embarrassment. I tried to tell you. Get out of the business. You don't belong. And you didn't listen. That's why you came back. It's Eugene! What is Eugene doing here? I thought we were never going to see Eugene again. That's why you cost me my World Heavyweight Championship, Eugene. Did you think that I wasn't going to answer that? Huh? I sent you a message loud and clear through William Regal with a sledgehammer. Eugene is seeing his mentor, William Regal, get completely destroyed by the enraged Triple H. Triple H, you need to be rewarded for what you did. That's why at SummerSlam, I'm going to make it Triple H versus Eugene. Eugene. 
to hear me. Are you listening, Eugene? Are you listening to me now? At SummerSlam, I'm gonna make the decision for you. I'll put you out of this business myself for good. Triple H, you are my friend. You are William Regal. Wait, there's Eugene. Eugene taking down the game. Eugene is roaring here. The game was no part of Eugene. Will Triple H get what's coming to him at SummerSlam? Uh, JR, before we cut to the uh, video package, he says that Triple H has played Eugene like a fiddle. Um, for me, I'd say it's the other way around if you look at it. Yeah. Triple H got Eugene in to get the title. Triple H has still not got the title. And Eugene kicked his ass other week. So it's Eugene, really. He's the mastermind behind all So you think that uh, the whole special means is just a gimmick? Absolutely. But, Michael, how did we get here to Eugene versus Triple H at Summerfest Olympic Games? So, Uncle Eric Bischoff uh, brought his nephew to work and put him with William Regal. And then he was having some issues with Coach, you know, The Rock came out and gave him some milk. And we found out that his favourite wrestler is Triple H. So then Triple H thought, I could use this to my advantage for some reason. And wanted Eugene to help him win the world title. Not sure how that would happen, but hey ho, that was that didn't happen. So then Triple H got very mad at Eugene and beat him like a little bitch because he didn't win the world title. And then he did the same thing to William Regal, and here we are. And here we are. And potentially, Eugene is going to get his fucking ass handed well, to him. Says he Eugene hopes Triple H ends his career tonight. That's what King says. Ends his career. It's, it's a bit grim. A bit it's a bit grim what the commentators want. What's King got against Eugene? Is it because of the whole bushwhacker thing? I, I, when he first did, you decided... That's, well, that's how it all started, when he licked his head. I mean, yeah, I'd hold a grudge nowadays... <laughs> in these corona times but pre, pre-corona pre yeah lick my face as much yeah, as you want yeah <laughs> um, so Eugene he makes his entrance to a chorus of boos Triple H makes his entrance to a chorus of cheers it's like Toronto's gone mad well did Triple H not get his uh, pay-per-view boots so the match itself then Hunter is all over Eugene to start with kicks and punches uh, Eugene reverses a revert with a reverse elbow and hits a big back body drop onto Triple H. Already, Triple H is selling fuck for Eugene. And this is my problem with the whole thing. Everyone's yeah. selling like troopers for Eugene. We go to the outside, Eugene with an axe handle. Uh, and Triple H then throws Lillian down in front of Eugene. And Eugene tries to help her, but then Hunter takes advantage. I thought it was brilliant. Look at Lillian getting a little payday. But then exactly. you see... A and then you see one of like the assistants or the refs or the medics on the outside try to uh, take her carrying, back. Take her back. It's like really, he only really knocked her down a little bit, and now she's done in. Well, she doesn't know how to fall properly, does she? And she's wearing the high heels. What a genius! Use use whatever's around you. That's it, that's it. Uh, the game, he sets up the Spanish announce table and then he attempts to suplex Eugene from the ring into it. But Eugene counters it uh, with his own suplex, bringing Triple H back into the ring. Uh, we go up to the corner, 10 punches, 
and a brilliant fucking moment as Eugene forgets how to count. Stops so he's one, eight. two, three, he's like, four, five, eight, nine, bang. It's a brilliant fucking spot. It's the only big comedy spot he has other than the people's elbow. I think that's the and... thing because uh, we're, trying, we're trying to make him too serious. Trying to make him far too serious. Uh, Triple H, he fakes a knee injury uh, and Jack Doan even throws up an X thinking, oh, fucking yeah. hell, hello. And I was thinking, look at him fucking incorporating some of that. Ah, fuck you, you dirty marks. Have some of that. But, but if, though, he sees control when Eugene turned his back. It's a ruse. But if the bell had a rung before he'd revealed it was all a plan, Eugene would have won by technicality. Eugene would have beat Triple H in, in SummerSlam. That oh. would have been what had been in the fucking history books. That's what it would say. Um, that's it. <laughs> Uh, Hunter with a pair of backbreakers and then he ties Eugene up in the ropes and rakes his face until the official was about to hit five and then he let go and then threw Eugene into the steel ring steps. Um, Hunter then puts a sleep hold on but Eugene powers out. Uh, he counters a pedigree with a back body drop and then he hulks up in the corner. Um, he flips Hunter off and delivers a stunner. Uh, Hunter was in a bad way and Nate comes out to try and make the save but he was thrown outside the ring. Uh, Eugene, he listened to the crowd to prove like Eugene Amania is running wild in fucking Toronto tonight, which is weird because they booed fuck out of him to start. And now, I don't think it's now they've Eugene Amania. To... <laughs> R-rated strength. Um, Ric Flair, he's outside. He's pissed off that he's getting thrown from ringside. But as he left, things got worse as he backed into William Regal, who knocks Flair out with a pair of brass knuckles. But all Power of this going off outside is... And that's it, the power of the punch, but it's all distracting Eugene. And from behind, Triple H attacks, delivering the pedigree for the victory. Triple H with the win in just over 14 minutes, which on Triple H match goes, that was quite a short match. He's been out here and saved Triple H's ass from the Triple H's own pedigree. Cannot believe that the referee is ejecting Nate. Well, the thing about this is that Triple H is getting... A hell of an unofficial timeout, and oh wait a minute, William Regal. He Regal's got the look at Regal's left hand. He's got the brass knuckles. Referee, William Regal. Good night. Good night, Nature Boy. And sleep tight. Eugene. Eugene. Eugene's Eugene. Got... Oh, Eugene, turn right back into the game. Get him. Third Get him. time. Oh, the third time's a charm. The pedigree. Yes. And the game beats Eugene. So that match shouldn't go long, but that match went longer than it should have gone in kayfabe perspective. It probably should have gone six or eight minutes. And you could have had one of the matches that have gone six or eight minutes. Let what them both have an extra six or seven minutes. Maybe the book of Yeah, the fat could have been trimmed all over the place. So what did you make then overall to Hunter and Eugene and how many Mavens? For me personally, I'm giving it one Maven. It wasn't fucking great. I'm giving it two and a half again. There's a seen a, seen a pattern on this show. Some, two and a half Mavens? I thought it was a decent match. 
it was entertaining as hell. Regal spot and Flair spot really added to it, I thought. And I love Regal's tell Eugene to turn around, watch out before the pedigree. But Regal wanted some of Alan. As soon as that bell rang, he was right in there. And I, did I would like, have preferred it to be uh, Regal to... versus Alan on the pay-per-view. I, and I did like how Triple H was just dragging Flair by his foot. I had some great spots it did have some great spots but I think it just for me as I said it's it went on a bit too long but it felt weird Triple H not being in there for 20 minutes but you can afford to have 20 minutes when he's in there with a Michaels or a Benoit Mm. but with a Eugene for 15 minutes when all a lot of oh far too long and like I said too much selling for Eugene who's supposed to be a up next I know you're excited for this one. Kings Diva Dodgeball. <laughs> it's Team Dream versus Team Diva. Team Dream being Joy, Amy, Twaithy, Maria, Christy and McTaker. And where the fuck is not that Carmella? And Team Diva is Trish, Molly, Jazz, Stacy, Gail Kim making her return to the roster and back in action, as the commentators say. What a fucking return, eh? Yeah. Nidia... And wrapping up the team is Victoria. Now, as we said, Carmella's gone. Uh, The commentators mention that someone's been eliminated. Um, Coach mentions at the end, someone's been eliminated. But they don't mention her by name. But not that Carmella is not there. Yes. So was she supposed to be like Trish was? Just... I believe that... I know I believe that she was supposed to compete. And that's why the Divas put this team together. And then when they realised the Divas had won too many... Trish then had to become coach. But it was never quite explained. Because when they were showing you the lineup, Trish was Trish wasn't stood on the t- sidelines. She was stood in the court ready to ready to play. Yeah. And then did someone somewhere work out, hang on a minute, it's seven versus six. Yeah, coach, I it was, it was coach fun- does say uh, someone's got on. You don't want to lose yeah, but he doesn't, twice in a row. Yeah, but he doesn't mention any names. It's very, very strange. Coach, he runs down the rules and says that Team Dream were taking, talking a lot of trash about the Divas. And Michael, they said they're going to take them to the woodshed. Uh, I thought they're a bit younger, aren't they, to be taking... Usually it's an elder, like, Papa Papa Rag that takes young Rag to the woodshed. They're they're not Divas, can't take the Divas to the woodshed. Uh, And as I said, we see Trish, who's suddenly not playing. She stood on the sidelines. And then it ends... I'm not going to go through the Diva bollocks. The the not Divas take over. And it ends with Gail Kim getting a shot to what looks like the the tip of a cap, which doesn't hit her face, but she's gone. (laughs) (laughs) And the only Diva... The only not Diva, sorry, to be eliminated was Joe Giovanni. They battered the fucking Divas, did the not Divas. Yep. That's why this is just a zero. Considered an upset, and what a great job there by by Michelle, the young lady from Florida. Now look at this. I don't know. Well, I, 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 I don't think you can argue with that. Oh, she knocked her. Michelle the, got the, her. The ball knocked the sunrise off her head. What a victory for Team Diva. I'm in shock, JR. Yeah. 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 
Pretty embarrassing for Rob Davis. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-oh. Look at that still. Great about the team. Chris Stratus, the seven-pointed captain. Not showing a lot of leadership there. I'll I, I tell you, that's, that's an upset in my book. That's an upset, but somebody's going to have to restrain Chris Stratus and Victoria. I'll volunteer for the job. Zero. It wasn't a wrestling match. You Mavens. don't belong on a wrestling pay-per-view. The wrestlers just embarrass themselves. After the match, well, after I say match, after the shite, King says, oh, the fans are booing the women. Maybe because we don't want this bollocks on pay-per-view. <laughs> And um, also, a lot of the divas, uh, a lot of the divas, a lot of the fans, it were reported, that they weren't happy that it wasn't recorded in the arena. And it was recorded off-site uh, off somewhere, and they had to watch it up on the big screen. So yeah, another reason why they probably would have been booing. Michael, home video exclusive, coach interviews the not divas. And Amy says, after the coach asks her how they did it, I quote, after rehearsing a couple of times, we realised we could all work together. So, was this as legit as it looked and was trying to be perceived as legit? Or are they, did they personally make sure that the Divas lost and it, that was a kayfabe game of dodgeball? No, I think it was all legit. Cause... I, I don't know. Her saying rehearsing, uh, you'll have to, you'll have to, I'll send you, mail you the copy. <laughs> you have to watch it. The whole video exclusive. It looked like oh, she was saying, "Look, we we've rehearsed it. We've rehearsed this a couple of times." <laughs> um, coach mentions how one of them is, is going to be eliminated, uh, but he doesn't mention anyone by name. Obviously, I suppose we're going to find out on Monday Night Raw where the next person will go. But you think yeah, as, that's as why you got to shoot to run. That that's your cliffhanger. That's your. But they don't tell you that on the pay per view. That's a whole video exclusive. So by the time that's come out. The person's already been eliminated on Raw, maybe? Yeah. Taker and JBL, look at the tail of the tape. Oh, yeah, you can see right here that Deadman has got some size on JBL, which is rare. JBL's such a big man. But I'll tell you what, Cole, I'm pumped up for this. I know JBL, as I talked to him earlier, can his plan, whatever that be, JBL's plan, keep his championship intact tonight in Toronto. It is time to sit back and experience one of the most chilly moments you'll ever see in the WWE. Up next, John Bradshaw Layfield versus The Undertaker for the WWE Championships. Uh, we see a tale of the tape where one of JBL's achievements is a self-made millionaire. And it made me think, well, isn't Undertaker as well? Yeah, because he's made his own money from wrestling. That's self-made. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's probably made a fucking hell of a lot more than JBL has. I'd, ima I'd imagine so with the, the length of time wrestler, yeah. Undertaker's been at the top of the game, 100%. Um, Cole says it's time to witness one of the most chilling moments you'll ever see in the WWE as Undertaker makes his entrance with fire, smoke, every pyro, the fucking lot. But we don't get a video package, which I found was very surprising. Um, so, Michael, how did we get to Undertaker versus JBL for the WWE title? So after JBL won the title in a bullshit stipulation, I'm still, I'm still sour on that. <laughs> and after he defended against Guerrero in cage match, he came out week after on SmackDown and said, I'll beat everybody. I'm the best. I'm the best. And then Taker comes out and drops it. The following week, I believe, JBL calls out Taker. But it's not Taker. It's 
the man formerly known as Pocket Rocket, <laughs> <laughs> or Short Sleeve Samson, or Jerry Smaller, the former Minica Angle. It's a mini taker, and then take takes offense to this. Of course he does. So he comes out, scares JBL off, gives the little guy a choke slam that's got to feel about 50 feet. <laughs> and then last week on SmackDown, we find out that Orlando Jordan, the former SmackDown slasher, is now JBL's equivalent of Virgil. That's it. Everyone, everyone needs a Virgil. It's the best way to describe it. And here we are. Uh, so the match then starts very back and forth. Uh, JBL kind of showing very little fear. As he said, he's not scared of The Undertaker. It was quite the aggressor to start. Um, JBL even went to the top rope and delivered a massive flying shoulder block, uh, which was like, that was back to the old Bradshaw days. Mm. Um, even, but the thing is, he's still facing The Undertaker, who doesn't sell for fuck all. And it's always been his gimmick for years. So you've got JBL pulling out some of his best moves, and Undertaker just brushes it off to deliver one of his. Well, you know... It's taken. You can't expect him to sell offense for long with this gimmick. To anybody, <laughs> I would say I, I'll sell to some people, but JBL. It's like, um, he attacks Dream back in his debut. That's it. That's it. Double count out. You're not putting me. Here. You're not, I'm not putting you over. If, if if no double count out, we'll both get deleted. Let's get eliminated together. Uh, Taker, he locks on an armbar after being slammed into the ring steps. Uh, JBL, he stops an old school and it's a swinging net breaker. Side slam from JBL gets a two. Uh, Taker into the corner, but he comes running out with an armbar. Uh, the fans were not digging MMA Undertaker. No, they want to see the leg drop, the old school. They just want to see his big moves. That's all they want to see. Yeah, they take. don't want to see... They don't want to see MMA Undertaker in the slightest. Um, he goes up for the old school, that gets a two. And then he puts him into a triangle choke, which again, Toronto crowd, boo! They're not happy. Uh, JBL, he boots Taker, and Taker replies with one of his own. Um, Orlando then, he gets knocked off the apron, and then JBL takes Undertaker's leg out. It was another match where it was all a lot of focused around Undertaker's leg, like it was yeah. similar with Kurt and Eddie, where it was focused on Eddie's leg. But, you know, he's a big, take a big guy, so you got to... Work at the leg, chop him That's down. It. Take out the wheels. That's it. Take out the wheels. Uh, JBL, he capitalises attacking the legs of The Undertaker after he was tied in the corner. Um, he even used a steel chair on the knee while Jordan distracted the official. Now, how the ref never fucking heard that, I'll never know. He was stood about a foot away and that made a hell of a bang when that steel chair hit them steel steps. But we've said this about referees tonight. They're either blind or deaf. Or just plain fucking stupid. <laughs> Speaking of that, the latter, we get a Mexican wave as it goes on and goes on and they goes on. And, uh, it goes. I couldn't believe how like, long it actually went on for. They are well, not impressive. in the slightest. They are not in the slightest bothered or interested in JBL versus the Undertaker. I don't think anyone was really. I, it was hard for me to pay attention. You know how much I love Undertaker. Um, just not JBL. <laughs> JBL is what just it hard is. to get invested. I say it's hard to get invested in anything, anything JBL related. Um, Taker he no sells a big club from JBL and drives him outside. We go into the Spanish announce table. 
big shot onto JBL and a big Spanish table champ from the crowd. Uh, they want, well, at least make it exciting. Undertaker dive off the top rope through the Spanish announce table or something. At least the Spanish announce table's getting some recognition. <laughs> That's it. It plays an integral part in a WWE pay-per-view sometimes. Mm. It's a Spanish announce table for the Hall of Fame. Undertaker, he hits his vintage. <laughs> he hits his vintage leg drop as Toronto again couldn't give a fuck. Uh, Bradshaw goes up to the top one more time, but he's taken off with a superplex. Taker goes for a last ride, but his knee gives up. He, goog he goozles JPL, but then his knee gives up. So he's going to be able to hit any of his moves. So he hits a spine buster that gets a two count. Um, he hits his trademark clothesline. Big splash in the corner times two. Snake eyes and a big clothesline from hell only gets a two count. Look at resilient JBL. Well, he goes for a choke slam. Hit the clothesline from hell. It should be the Undertaker, not JBL anymore. <laughs> he hits a choke slam on JBL, and that also only gets a two. Uh, Bradshaw hits his own clothesline from hell, following distraction by Orlando. But the Undertaker, he kicked out, and again the crowd couldn't care. I thought at least they'd be hot for that. Yeah. I thought it was a great sequence, even though it was JBL. I thought it was a great sequence. So you saw all the Undertaker's best moves with the stuff that you think would have made Toronto wake up a little bit. But no, couldn't give a fuck. Even the uh, spinning towel from JBL was you know, shades of Terry Funk and that. That didn't get anything. No, they just no, they couldn't care. They really, they really couldn't care. Um, we got a small pocket of fans that tried to start a let's go take a chant, but it didn't. It didn't last. And it lasted for about five seconds. Uh, the referee gets bumped. Uh, both men hit. Both men hit one another with a big boot, which was a fantastic spot. Um, Orlando tosses the belt and a shot onto Taker, where the ref's still down. Um, Orlando he grabs the official's hand and attempts to deliver a free count. Uh, Undertaker kicks out at two, but even if it was a free, I don't think that's how it works. No, well, you know, Orlando should just put the referee shirt on. <laughs> Done like a Jimmy Hart at uh, WrestleMania Nine and just call him and we'll celebrate the titles. Yes, yeah, definitely. We'll just just call the win. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Uh, Orlando gets thrown outside and JBL goes back to work on Taker. Uh, JBL, he tucks Taker into the corner for some old school punches, but Undertaker grabs him and it's the last ride for another close two count. Um, Orlando back in with the belt. This time, Taker gets it, knocking both the champion and Virgil. Unfortunately, this time, the ref's recovered and he sees it and rings the bell and Taz sums it up completely by saying, that's it. After, After all, all that, that, that's it. Hey, you know, hey, Cole, I never, I never seen this before. Look at this. Wait a minute. Bubble football. Orlando Jordan just came out here at ringside, and he's got the, he's got the WWE title in his hands, and he just tossed it to JBL. Well, that, that's what the chief of staff should do. JBL with the goal. Oh, the skull of the Undertaker. Oh, man. And JBL is going to steal this matchup, and it's a damn shame. How smart is JBL, But baby. the referee is down and out. There's no referee in this match right now. Well, we need another ref. Well, the, the chief of staff, Orlando Jordan, is getting that ref over there. We're trying to wake up Nick Patrick. Oh, this is legal. One. This is not legal. Oh, come on. Two. Give me a break. How is this legal? Well, it looks pretty legal. And Undertaker still kicked out. How did he do that? Out of instinct, he heard the count and Undertaker kicked out. You gotta be kidding me. JBL can't believe it. Jordan can't believe it. I can't believe it. What's Jordan? What's Jordan doing? Well, he's attacking the Undertaker. That's oh. what he's doing. Smart. And the chief of staff has been removed from office. Another one. And another clothesline from hell. That's two in this matchup. Delivered by JBL to the Undertaker. And, and Undertaker hardly can stand up on an injured knee after not one but two 
clothesline some help. JBL, physical, taking it to the challenger. JBL is just making his mark. Uh-oh, oh, look at this. That might have spoken way too soon here, Cole. Oh, oh, my God. The last ride out of the corner. Undertaker into the cover, but the ref is still two, down. Three, where's the ref? Undertaker has the championship one. The referees come two. JBL's going to lose. There's two. He's going to lose. Undertaker and JBL just got the shoulder up. What a matchup here at SummerSlam. But off the last ride, I thought Undertaker had the title one. Man. What a championship match. I'll tell you, man, it's awesome. Awesome to watch this. JBL in trouble. Oh, uh -oh. look at this. Tombstone, no. For the tombstone. Oh, oh my. Oh, boot to the face of the Chief of Staff. Chief of Staff just got dropped like a bad habit. Undertaker with the title to the skull of JBL. Oh. And wait a minute. Oh, the referee saw it. Oh, man. you got to be kidding me. After all that? Wow. You gotta be kidding me. JBL defeats The Undertaker by DQ to retain the WWE Championship in 17 minutes and 36 seconds. But after the match, Undertaker is livid and he batters JBL. He slams him onto his limo and looks like JBL cracks his head open. And then he throws him through the top of the limo and the limo roof breaks like someone with a very sharp knife through a piece of paper. For me, it picked up from uh, Taker hitting the clothesline from hell. After that, corner clothesline, corner clothesline, sneak eyes, clothesline from hell. That's when the match picked up until the ref bump. Then it picked up again towards the end. But why the referee decided that was the time his eyesight was going to work. Of all the time throughout the match, of all the referees throughout the show, that's the one time the referee's eyes work. Oh, yes. After he just got knocked down and come, woke back up again to make a pinfall count and then went back to sleep again for a little bit. But that clothesline from hell from JBL before uh, before the last ride from Taker. It was more like a clothesline from heck. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't as big as a clothesline from hell. I loved how the fans give a big na 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 hey hey goodbye chant. As big the commentators, they, <laughs> they attempt to put over the severity of JBL's injuries. Like medics are rushing around JBL trying to save his life, it seems. But the fans couldn't give a fuck. I thought it was a brilliant yep. spot when Orlando wouldn't let the medics take JBL away until he put his title on him. Yes. And he's like, oh, good old, good old Virgil. For me, I'd give this a two out of five Mavens. It wasn't great. There was a lot of, again, it's the fans are playing a big part in this. Yeah. Because uh, the fans shitting on the matches. Uh, it wasn't great, but it, it wasn't the worst JBL match I've ever seen, but he was in ring with The Undertaker. So, yeah, two out of five. I'd give it a two, 2.5 uh, because of one great visual shot after Taker throws him through this roof car. After Taker throws <laughs> through the roof, car. through the roof car. <laughs> Fuck you. I give it to an I, I just thought the spot was brilliant. If they didn't make the roof look like it was a piece of paper, yeah, uh, it but, didn't look like it hurt in the fucking slightest. But there was a brilliant spot where Taker just wipes the blood from the car bonnet, wipes it on his chest. Great visual. That's it. Uh, and obviously that tells you that this is going to be the feud that doesn't die here. I imagine this goes on to, uh, in the in the future, but we we shall see. Um, moment coming out from this match, uh, it was reported on Lords of Pain the day after that apparently a fan uh, he jumped to the railing and jumped on top of the limo. Uh, security they tried to go after him, but he kept running back and forth. 
Uh, obviously, security <laughs> didn't go on top of the limo because of the planned spot with the chokeslam later on. So the security knew that if he stepped in the wrong spot and put a bit too much pressure on, all would be fucked for the main event spot and it'd be ruined. I thought it was brilliant. Uh, but obviously, the, that got cut. They, they, they did well to not show that on camera on, uh, on the, their DVD version. So I can imagine that definitely wasn't on the network version. That might have been where the chorus of boos come from. The people fans have only seen him on top of limousine, but eh, then he got taken down. <laughs> that's, that's it. And uh, also, uh, just like Edge, Undertaker was very upset that the crowd started uh, to turn against him during the match, especially with the Spanish table chants and the Mexican wave chants, which was purely out of boredom. Uh, most backstage felt the crowd's lack of interest was justified. Uh, inside sources felt that Taker and JBL was not built up very well. And with that being said, Undertaker and the champion interacted very little before the match. JBL has only been put over by Eddie Guerrero, so it's still hard to view him as yeah. a champion. This match was too early in JBL's reign. Should, why not put the title on Undertaker? But again, if they, yeah. what they're trying to build Bradshaw up as the new fucking heel on the block on SmackDown, you can understand why. In their mind... Let's get a big win over The Undertaker and really light a fire up him. But this is an only title ring. Yeah, that's it. That's it. They, 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 they work out, don't they? It takes them a, a, quite a while to work it out. Finally, but finally yeah. work it out. They, yeah, he's probably not. Well, they, All because Triple H didn't want to wear juices. Hey! Um, we get an advert for WrestleMania 21. The tickets are available now. Did you get this on the network? I don't believe you did. I didn't imagine so. Because <laughs> it had an advert with Chris Benoit. <laughs> Up next, speaking of Mr. Benoit, it is time for your main event. It is your World Heavyweight Championship match between reigning defending champion, the Crippler, going up against the master of the RKO, Evolution's own Randy Orton, looking to become the youngest WWE slash World Heavyweight Champion in WWE history. Been a very unusual night, almost a, a Halloween-like atmosphere. The fans are a little hard to, to predict. I think Halloween is good, JR. I love it here in Bizarro Land. These people remind me of, well, they're not worthy of this man, I can tell you that. during Orton's entrance Finkel's mic kept cutting out I absolutely did so, come in next oh. from St. Louis Miss five pounds <laughs> <laughs> and even the commentators uh, I think it was Jerry picked up it's like even even Finkel can't get his words out tonight and it's like no I imagine he's delivering his words beautifully it's your shitty production equipment so for the final time this evening Michael how did we get to your main event after Ben won the world title at Mania, and beat, then beat Kane, and Triple H, and Shawn Michaels again, and Triple H again. Orton won a 20-man over-the-top rope battle royal, which came down to him 
and Jericho at the end. Orton obviously won this. Benoit later that night retained his title after a six-minute Iron Man match against Triple H. That because it was triple, had Triple H, it had to involve outside interference. And then a few weeks ago on Raw, Orton pinned the world champion. Then after, Which makes you think he's going to get battered at SummerSlam. It, it would. It would make you think that Benoit's going to absolutely kill him tonight. But only time will tell. Did you notice how Earl Hebner was the referee, Michael? And all of a sudden, Toronto fans realised and we got nothing but five minutes of you screwed Brett chance. I did. <laughs> they'll, they'll never you know, let that go. This has been in Calgary. Oh, my God. They'll never let or that go. In, or Edmonton. That's it. Oh, well, I think if this would have been in Edmonton, Randy Orton would have got booed the fuck out of the building. Which, again, it was another weird one where Benoit got support, but Randy Orton was also getting support from the crowd as well. Yeah, they really said Orton's favour. Oh, well. especially especially at the end, as we'll get to. Uh, so the match itself then, uh, the two competitors, they circled each other in the ring, locking up for holds and manoeuvres before. Uh, and the chain wrestled brilliantly, to be fair. It's Randy Orton showing that he can actually go with Benoit. We're a bit worried uh, with the chain wrestling stuff, if, if Orton would be any good at it, to be fair. Uh, and I, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, Orton wants to test, test the strength. Uh, they lock up uh, into a knuckle lock, which Jerry Jerry can't get over the fact that it's called a knuckle lock. It's like the first time he's ever heard this in his life, and he's a professional wrestler. He does. <laughs> exactly, exactly what it is. Um, Orton, it looks like he's going to power through, but Benoit powers through. Uh, Jerry says that Randall could be a model for statues, which was thought was a fucking brilliant line. And why didn't they use that line when Chris Masters debuts? That could, have been, that, could have been, that could have been his gimmick. He's, he's the model for statues. I thought it was, a, I thought it was fantastic. That's line. what his gimmick was, the masterpiece. <laughs> That's it. Because he kept uh, doing like the thinker's pose. and. All. It, was, I, it was one of them for me, Chris Masters, that it was just... Dude, I don't know, there was something about him that just didn't tick. It was just a big juice monster. And then we, I always remember when he, when he made that return and he had to stop doing the juice because of the Benoit stuff tiny. and all that. And he was just this tiny little skinny man. Just like, it oh, was like before he, and after thought with me and you. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you're thinking, I'm about size of him. I could fucking get onto, uh, get onto the juice. <laughs> but hey yo. Um, we get a shoulder block. Uh, but um, unfortunately, Orton decides to pose and then he gets taken down and what in a bit like a Ricky Steamboat arm lock. Finally, Orton showed what it was made of though, knocking Benoit down and then applying the sharpshooter. So it is the night of everyone stealing everyone's moves. Uh, Benoit escapes uh, and then puts him in one of his own. Uh, he tries to lock on the crippled crossface though, uh, but we get to the ropes. Orton slips under them completely, throwing Benoit into the ring post, which I thought was a brilliant counter to get out of the crossface. It was a brilliant counter. And I've got to say, Orton sharpshooter, better than Rocks. But he still needs to sit down. My sharpshooter, better than Rocks. <laughs> Rock, Rock believes that a sharpshooter can be applied by being stood up. It's, simple. it's a completely different move. Uh, we, we get another Spanish table chant as that breaks out. Uh, and the two men, they're standing outside on the ropes on the apron and Benoit hits a DDT to smash Orton's head into the edge of the ring. Not a very mo uh, popular move that we see at this time, but in like 2020, everyone pulls out the uh, like suplex or DDT onto the ring apron because as we know now, it's the hardest part of the ring. Yeah, but back then, it was, it was a big spot because it wasn't... It was, yeah, it was Common very, use. rarely moved. Yeah, absolutely. 
Uh, Chris Benoit goes to hit a tope, but Orton moves all the way, and it was a fucking amazing spot as Benoit comes flying through the air, smashes into the guardrail. He fucking head first. You could just see crunched. his neck go into his spine. Yeah, it's just like an accordion, just crunch. Um, Toronto, they appreciate a solid gut wrench backbreaker though, as we get a lovely little round of applause for Orton after he delivers mm. it. As far as it was very Japanese fans esque. So they just like sit on their hands until a good move and then they'll applaud the good move and then go back to silence. <laughs> that reminded me so much of that. We get an Irish whip into the ropes, uh, but uh, Orton's able to turn the tide and both men butt heads uh, because they simultaneously... Yeah, simultaneously attempt cross bodies and it's always a nasty bump that because it, it can... Oh, yeah, you're charging yeah, full pelt. Off. Yeah, full pelt into somebody else and who's coming full pelt into you as well. Um, Benoit tries to hit his Germans but instead opts for a Northern Light suplex uh, Benoit he goes for a superplex but Orton knocks him off the top and it's a flying crossbody big throwback to when Orton was a jobber on Smackdown and I love how Benoit tried to roll through but Orton sensed it that's it he knew what was coming there. covered himself when, when your finisher used to be crossbody you've always got to work on what could potentially go wrong and there's every chance they could roll through and fucking get you. It's like why I used to always bath me. Why would anyone dive at John Cena? Because he rolls through and gets you in fucking FU every single time. Yeah, um, that's a good point. Every time. Um, Benoit is able to finally hit his Germans, of which he hits six, which was very impressive. Mm. Uh, Benoit, he calls for the flying headbutt. We get a Tom Billington Dynamite Kid reference from JR. Uh, but Orton gets his fucking feet up. Not just his knees. Benoit takes a face full of fucking both Orton's feet. That's gonna have really seen. Brilliant counter. Absolutely. Um, Orton tries to get a pin, but he's rolled up into the cross face in a beautiful transition. Uh, they roll around on the ring, and then Orton gets an RKO out of nowhere. JR loses his mind. Out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And after 20 minutes and 8 seconds, your new world heavyweight champion, Randall Keith Orton. This is how Benoit won the world title at WrestleMania. Fight it, Randy. Remember destiny. Think destiny. Benoit like a pit bulldog holding on. And, and, but Orton, perspiration or a counter in any event. Orton slipped out of the crossface. He rolled through it the second time. And oh my God. RKO. RKO out of nowhere. RKO out of nowhere. Orton's got the cover. After the match, Randy Orton, he celebrates where JR talks about how dominant Chris Benoit had been all this year on Raw. Chris Benoit finally recovers, looks to leave, but heads back to the ring, offers his hand out, tells Orton to be a man. Orton shakes Benoit. The crowd erupts. That's like a passing of the torch. Brilliant yep. spot. It was a great match. I'm giving it a solid three out of five Mavens. What are your thoughts? Ooh, three and a half. Ooh. I thought it was a brilliant match. Not as good as Angle and Eddie. This 
this one had some great spots, great count, amazing counters, and amazing work from Walton. Yes, facial expressions when he was in the sharpshooter were brilliant. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, I thought it showed a match. Definitely, I think it showed Orton's, as I said at the start, his his ability to do the technical mat wrestling. Also, he can work the crown like a. Not many on the roster can work the crowd like Orton. He's got that look about him, that smirk, that smug look. You just want to fucking hit his face sometimes. Uh, and yeah, the era of Orton has begun. Very excited to see where it goes. It's a bit of a, a bit of a misfortunate for Chris Benoit um, because they built him up so much after Mania. But mm. we mentioned on the last episode where on Raw it's been his appearances have been slowly, slowly declining. He's been getting lesser moments. He's been bit part he was like a bit part in the Eugene and Triple H feud. Yeah. Where he should have been he had a, a shitty little feud with Kane. Um yeah, sh- we needed more from Benoit the champion and I think WWE has seen that and obviously going forward it's gonna be your youngest ever heavyweight champion. Yes, still holds that to this day I believe. That, that is record. it. That is it. And our another home video exclusive can you remember back in the day um, of like your old Royal Rumbles and WrestleManias where you'd get the video package at the end showing all the stills of all the best moments yep. throughout the pay-per-view? Oh, well, the DVD delivered one of them to the SummerSlam theme tune, which is a nice little uh, little treat to end the show. But yeah, overall then, Michael, that has been SummerSlam 2004. I want to know your best match of the night, your worst match of the night. And if SummerSlam 2004 was an RE-era superstar, who would it be? So... Overall, this pay-per-view gets a three maven on average. Best match, obviously, Angle vs. Close Absolutely second, agree. world title. Absolutely Worst agree. match, does Diva Dodgeball count? Absolutely agree, and yes it does, and that's what I'm saying as well. And, you know, the rest of the show, it was alright, but it could have been so much more. So I'll say Shelton Benjamin. Ah, mate, we're in, we're in sync yet again. Yeah, again, I was for the exact same reasons. The exact same reasons. So that has been SummerSlam. Up next, it will be the unicycle to Unforgiven. Yeah, that was good with that. <laughs> when we look at the build, uh, the fallout from SummerSlam and the build towards our next pay-per-view, where Monday Night Raw presents Unforgiven 2004. But always, I've been Dave. Thank you for taking time out to listen to us. Michael, let them know if they don't already where they can find us on all forms of social media. On all forms of social media, that's at Ariera Podcast. And that is it. And from Dave and Big Sexy, until the unicycle with the unibomb to Unforgiven. Peace out, people.